Hey, Matt here, and welcome to the Gringo Guava Podcast. I'm a 23-year-old college student who loves hearing whatever word people use for foreigner. Right now, I'm based in Thailand, working on political science research. Come along with me and see how the Gringo Guava travels. So I know it's been a while since I last put out a podcast. I've just been traveling a lot in the last month and finally got an opportunity to edit some of the audio that I recorded a while ago for my time in northern Thailand and also the first week that I had got back from my travels in Cambodia and Vietnam, some meditation stuff I did. And this is that episode. I hope you guys like it. Um, and I'll try and be more consistent with my podcast from here on out. If you listened to my last podcast episode, you'll know that I had a super wild time in Cambodia and Vietnam. And even though everything didn't go as planned, with a lot of ups and downs. And so it was super great to be able to be back in Chiang Mai. It's funny how after just a month in Chiang Mai, being gone for a week made me really miss it. And coming home felt like being home, kind of. And coming back to my host family and hanging out with them and my roommate, Eldon, who didn't come with us on our trip. It just felt great to be home. And then we got home at the same time as our professor and he had been gone for several weeks. So it was great to see him again and everything just felt all kind of back into place. The first day back, we just had some interviews with our professor about how we were doing, how everything was with our house families, how our research was going, and just our general state of, and just our general state of well-being. And while everyone was like going through those interviews it was fun because he brought us back a bunch of snacks like beef jerky and Reese's Pieces and candy and a bunch of random stuff that we ate and we just watched um, The Dark Knight while he was doing all those interviews because we had to watch Batman Begins when we were in Vietnam. It was also really fun because now that school is out back in America, he brought his wife and two of his kids with him. He brought his wife and his two youngest kids with him, and they're just a big wall of fun, and it's so much fun to be with them. And it really changes the like dynamic when we're hanging out, doing something with him, because it's so cool to see him in like a different aspect as like a dad and I haven't ever been in like this kind of situation where you're like in a foreign country with like someone's family and that's like way cool and something that I definitely see as a model for how I want to have my family. So we had two outings that first week back. The first one was instead of class one day we went to the local museum and we had like a more dynamic class basically. We went to the local museum to learn about the culture here in northern Thailand, the Lana culture. And this was a really cool museum. It's converted from the old, like, town hall. So the building itself has a ton of history, but then into it they've also built rooms in different time periods where you can, like, you'll walk through the doorway and it's the way that, like, the old doors were, or, like, you'll see, like, parts of walls and stuff, and then they have, like, just a lot of the normal, like, museum stuff. But some of the things that really stuck out to me was I didn't know how much foreign involvement there was in Chiang Mai, especially because Chiang Mai is like more removed, like it's out in the north of, out in the north of Thailand. I didn't realize that there had been so many Westerners come in, and the east side of the city is actually where like most of that was, and it's, it was interesting because that's where our professor one time we went to see him give a talk at the like the Francophone Institute or something there, and there is more like still that that is like the expat area where some like a lot more expats live and it was also really interesting to see that history of Lana as an independent kingdom and an independent country this is one of the things that our professor has studied a lot and something that like really interests me is ethnic politics and how you know if history had gone a different way Lana could be its own kingdom Lana might have been like the predominant kingdom and Thailand might not be called Thailand it could have been called Lana 
or it could have been called Thailand with Lana as like the predominant language because Thailand before it was called Thailand it was called Siam. Like Thailand as a phrase really was changed because it does refer to like more of the country as a whole of all the different ethnic groups where Siam was like particularly like the southern kingdom that later came to like dominate everything. And another really interesting like almost meta cultural thing that was going on was on the second part of our tour we had someone who is a gatui which people usually translate to as ladyboy it's basically someone that's a transgender woman so born male but identifies as a woman and she did an amazing job of guiding us through and her english was great and at first it was just like oh like whoa we were all like kind of looking at each other but then like after like the first little bit like it was nice to be able to just like sit back and like appreciate her for who she was and like what she was doing instead of just like this random like unique thing about her and I really was happy because I had heard about Katwe's a lot and had seen them and stuff or like very briefly interacted with them in like a store or something but being able to like interact more and more with them it, it was nice because it like humanized her and humanizes that because that's something that I really want to be better at is understanding people that have different gender expressions and that kind of thing and it being pride month and, and all it was just really important for me to be able to like understand that and be able to interact with someone that was like that especially because our research that we're doing has to do so much with gender and the other thing that I liked about this museum was they have an ongoing archaeological dig like underneath where the old wall of the temple site that the city center city hall was built on so you could go down and see this like no one was like digging at the time but there was like all these ropes off and stuff and you could see like the wall like like only a couple feet out and they're like this wall probably goes down like nine feet and they're just like uncovering it so it's like active history going on right then so cool love that museum our other excursion that week was we finally got to get out into the mountains and get that meditation on I was super, super excited for this, and it was also cool that it was so far out. Like, I think we were in the car like an hour and a half, and then when we got there, we went into the meditation hall right away and just had a really basic rundown about, like, what meditation is, and I've done meditation with an app called Mindspace, which is really fun, and it's a lot more, like, secular-focused, and it's guided meditation. But the first thing that we did here was we just sat down on our cushions, and he had us, even before concentrating on breathing, which is more meditations that I've done, even a more basic one was just to have your open palm out in front of you and just concentrate on the middle of, of your palm and the feeling of that. And a meditation really focuses on this, on the relationship between the body and the spirit. So by focusing on physical sensations like breathing or your palm, you're able to forget to not think as much about everything that's going on and you focus on the present, which is that those physical sensations that you're having. And I just love it. It's so fun. And I did like, I do the half lotus on the cushion because I can't do like a full lotus. That's where you like just put like one leg up on your thigh. But man, my legs actually fell asleep during the first one and I was like super, super uncomfortable. But also like that's kind of part of it is learning how to like ignore or accept that there is that pain of your physical body but that you don't need to be like dominated by it after that first little meditation we went and had a vegetarian lunch out in the cafeteria which was delicious and then we went back to the meditation hall and went down on the first floor because earlier we were up on the second floor and he this is when he actually went through like some of the theory behind meditation and some of the different processes that you go through when you meditate 
where you at the beginning you're focused on the past and then as you get further into meditation and trying to not think about stuff you'll get sleepy and then after that you'll be really focused on the future and then after that is when you finally are able to just focus on the present on the present feeling and we had some really interesting talks about that like my roommate Elden mentioned how like if I hear a bird like that's in the present but then the the monk that was teaching us talked about how like yeah but as soon as you're thinking about the bird that already happened that you heard the bird so there's no reason to still be thinking about it you're dwelling on the past and it was so interesting just to realize how instantaneous like the present really is and then after that we did some walking meditation which I hadn't really done before the way that we did it which is we would just take basically Every step was a three-part process where you'd lift your leg and then you'd extend it and then you'd put it back down and then you'd just walk and you do that same thing where you're just focused on yourself walking and instead of like trying to focus on like all these things that you got going running through your brain, you're able to just focus on that. And then after that, we did standing meditation, which is actually the hardest for me where we stood and we just focused on a point. We actually stood right by this like pond that they had and he had us focus on a point right on the shore and just look at it and that one was hard for me because there's no like physical moving there's nothing physically to like focus on I guess focus on like breathing but also just trying to like focus on a point it like I've never been diagnosed with ADHD but I firmly believe that I have some form of it and so it was just really hard and actually it was like probably the hardest after that we went into this cave that they had at the temple which was super dank went to the cave which was super dank and did a little bit more walking meditation and that was nice after especially the staying meditation which got me really stiff and the earlier like and the earlier sitting me meditation after the standing meditation we did some more sitting meditation inside the meditation hall and then after that we did my favorite thing which was going into this cave the cave basically it wasn't like a deep cave it was just kind of like 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 protruding rock but like a, like a really big section of it so like it wasn't dark or anything but it was like really really cooler and there was this like dank smell from like all the back guano but I really liked it because like it was also like had like a big covered platform which is what we were on not like the actual like rocky bottom and there we did some more walking meditation which was nice after being stiff from sitting and standing meditating and for whatever reason like maybe the cool air or being more in like a natural setting like really got me meditative juices flowing and then we finished it off with some more sitting meditation there and it was just an amazing day i don't know if i've ever had such a day that was so great where i did so so little and i was exhausted you know because especially at first doing that meditation and not doing anything the amount of you can't call it focus but like mental energy that you expend to not think about anything it really takes it out of you Another really cool part about this day was the guy that came with us, Robert. He had like a shaved head and a beard and he was, well, he was from the States. He's from like California, but he knew a ton. He is a Buddhist. He's a Buddhist and he's actually been ordained in like a lay, as a lay person in a Japanese Zen tradition, but he hasn't had any formal like ordination in the Thai tradition, which is kind of interesting. And then just talking to him he actually served his mission in thailand and then we didn't really get his story on like you know his quote-unquote like conversion story to buddhism but he just knew a lot and was really helpful to have him explaining these concepts 
and the parts of Thai culture and Buddhist culture that we don't understand that made the concepts make more sense. But he also just translated directly for the monk really, really well, which I liked that he didn't editorialize, but he still gave us the context we needed. He was just a really interesting guy to talk to. And I kind of think that Buddhism, especially the way that the Buddha originally taught it, is not meant to be like a theistic religion. It can have theistic elements if you want to practice it that way, but it's also really ready and meant to syncretize or to combine with whatever your current religious practices are. So it's something that I do want to learn more about. And I don't think I'm ever going to like become like quote-unquote religiously Buddhist, but I like to be able to practice some of those things that are meditation because I think that they drive really well with gospel elements and just combine it on to like a more, get more and more truth as you learn and study. And so I had a great day doing meditation. I really want to be able to do more of it while I'm here and just in my life, you know, stay mindful. So really great week back, really nice like easing back into like the Chiang Mai life. So the second week back from our free week, we went on a little road trip up to like even further north in Thailand in these mini buses that we've taken to like Sukhothai and stuff that we just like charter out. And the first place that we stopped on the way was we were in a city called Nan and we went to like the governor's house. And it was kind of just like this old colonial style house. And he was a big deal until like the early 1900s. And so it was interesting to see how like his house was a lot more like Western houses that you would see in America from like that time period, as opposed to most of the stuff that we've been looking at has been like ancient, ancient history and just like super, super different. And they just had some like old traditional Thai instruments out that you could kind of like play with and stuff. And that was fun. But we didn't spend a lot of time there. And then we had lunch. It's really fun because we just eat like community style where we have a bunch of dishes and then we each just serve ourselves onto our plate. And Dr. Selway will just order food. And that's nice because if it were up to me, I'd probably just order like noodles and more noodles and like the same thing like every time. But he tends to get us like a lot of like variety and really be able to like experience the food here. And then in Nan, we went to a temple and it was kind of different than the temples we've seen where on the inside it had a bunch of like murals and parts of it were like depicting heaven. And there's some like weirder parts that were depicting like hell with like people getting like disemboweled and stuff. And I thought that was kind of weird. But then you left the temple and there's this little dome thing that when you went inside and it wasn't like lit or anything, it was, there was like, the only light was coming through the doorway. There were all these like three feet high figurines and there were like people with chicken heads that were like torturing people on like tied to a post and like cutting them open. And it's just this like weird gory scene, like kind of depicting like the Buddhist idea of like hell, but it was just creepy and like kind of weird because like, I think we see Buddhism and Buddhism for the most part doesn't fall into those like hell paradigms and stuff like that because it's more about reaching enlightenment and less about like heaven and hell but like the more I see stuff with Buddhism and the more like variety I see the more like I realize how little I understand about it and how much there is to to learn especially with like the really older like traditional stuff and then we also went to um back on the road we went to a, a little lana temple that was all wood and, like, they had these little, like, um, there's a lot of, like, glass, but, like, colored glass throughout, so it was a lot more colorful. And that one was really nice. We were able to talk to a Michi there, which is similar to a monk, but not ordained as a monk, but um, they're women. And they wear white and so, like, those yellow, like, saffron robes that you see. And it was it was fun to talk to her. And then when we took a picture with her, it was interesting. She was sitting on the temple floor, and then we were, like, right outside and 
sat down so it was like a foot lower but then she had me and the other guy like sit on a chair on the temple floor because she was like oh like I can't be higher than them and it was like whoa like even though she was saying like no like I have like the same stuff like her behavior spoke so much more than her words and it was kind of interesting and I'm not trying to criticize about that but just saying that it was interesting to see like how much those traditional gender roles are still important here and then that night we um stayed in Nan and we stayed in a little we had a little like tiny little villa which was nice and so I was staying in like a, a big hotel and Dr. Sal was always coming in clutch with like nice places to stay we had a pool and we'd like that night was funny because we went over like what all of our first impressions of the group were when we first met them and I didn't want to because I don't like being fake but then I said just be like brutally honest and tell everyone like I really um originally thought about them which to me is nice because like none of those things like I really like believe about the people anymore and it's shows I think how cool they really how cool I really see them because like how I originally saw them if that makes sense and then it was too late to go get food and there like the food at the hotel was expensive so we had a little pizza party ordered some pizza and then the next morning it was on to Chiang Rai at Chiang Rai we stayed in like a super bougie hotel it was like um it was more like a traditional like multi-story hotel but really really nice where we had marble floors in the lobby and like people like take our luggage up and everything and just nice and then nice to just get to hang out some more that day and then I got kind of sucked in with the free wi-fi because I don't have wi-fi where I live in Chiang Mai I was on my computer playing video games until really late but sometimes that's what you need on like vacation it's just like air conditioning and wi-fi especially if you don't have those things where you're like currently living and then the next day we went to this place called the the Golden Triangle. That's where Burma, Laos, and Thailand intersect. And then just like a little bit north along the Burmese-Lao border, you get China. So we could like see like just barely in like the distance. Like at least I thought it was China. It was like a like it was a bunch of hills. So like the rolling hills in the distance. I was like I'm pretty sure that hill over there is Chinese, but I wasn't sure. Um, and yeah, we just got a little boat ride up and like almost into Burmese waters, but not quite. And then we hopped on over to Laos for a little bit. This part of Laos was really interesting because it was just like the border and it wasn't like super like economically developed. There was like a fake KFC where instead of saying KFC, so like K.F.C. And the Colonel Sanders was like slightly fake and like all the like the menu you could tell like wasn't real. And it's just like bizarre because this really was like out in the middle of nowhere. But they also had like this building kind of like a strip mall and all the names of the stores was like Prada, Gucci, Supreme, like all these like really nice brands but then like they were all empty and I didn't understand what was going on there. It was kind of weird and then we just um then there's just a market and me and my buddy were each bartering for some sunglasses and he started us off at like 300 baht which is like ten dollars which was like definitely not gonna do and then I just kept going like down and down and down and I wanted to pay like 100 which would be like three dollars and then I got him down to like I think like two fifty, like right off the bat. And then like I wasn't paying attention and then like I was like bartering with Oh no. My buddy left and then I was I bartered him down to like one fifty and then my buddy came back and then he, he like behind my buddy's back he whispered one hundred and then made the sign with his hands like one zero zero but like made a put his finger over his mouth and said that I should be quiet. And I was like, Oh, like he wants me to pay one hundred but doesn't want me my buddy to hear it so he can like um charge him whatever he wants so i did it and then left and then later found out that he charged my buddy 200 baht which is like six dollars for his sunglasses so take that and it's the same guy that had like tried to like mooch off my bargaining skills in Cam cambodia so that was kind of nice um 
but yeah, this is just like a super like random like little like rundown outpost. And later, having been to like other parts of Laos, like it's definitely not like representative of Laos because parts of Laos are like really really nice. Um, just like yeah, this border place was kind of like sketchy. And then that day we went to the Hall of Opium because this area of Thailand was very well known for its opium. That's where they cultivated a, a lot of opium, and then it was processed to make products like heroin. So it's like kind of infamous, and this museum isn't like it's kind of like out in the boonies so it doesn't get a lot, a lot of traffic i imagine and it like parts of it were like kind of like run down but it's a super well designed museum and like we learned so much i love the way that they started us way back in like pre-modern times like what opium is and how it was used like medicinally like the poppy seeds and stuff and then just took us through like thousands of years of history um the first bit like pretty quickly and then getting more and more detailed the closer we got to like the modern age but you could understand that like um, how colonialism affected things, how China affected things, and then also how like the changing modern economy changed like the drug landscape and made it into like what a huge problem it is. And then like there's like a TV set up like towards the end that had like just horrifying video with like little kids like dying and like just how horrible, how much it's wrecked like this part of the world. And yeah, just really sad. Very good informing sad museum but don't do drugs kids and then the last day was basically like a road trip day back and it was fun just this whole like road trip to do like a like a bunch of different places it kind of felt like driving to utah back in the day and that feel of being like kind of like cramped in a car and then like sometimes there's like beautiful things to see but you're so cramped and they like, get out and see stuff and i don't know just it was fun um the landscape was really beautiful like we stopped in this like random part where there's like rice fields and then like in this valley so you could see mountains in the background and took some cool pictures there. Then there's another part where we were kind of up above and you looked out and you could, because we were higher on like a mountain pass, you could see like the rolling hills and just like how crazy like the landscape was. And it reminded me a little of, of my mission being up in the Andes. And we just visited a ton of temples. Um, the first one we went to was called the Blue Temple. And this one was built like maybe within like the last 50 years. And so it had more, like, the images they had were, like, color paintings, and they were paintings that were, like, more historically accurate, so it showed, like, the Buddha as looking, like, Indian and, like, the Indian stuff. So it gave it, like, kind of more of a Hindu vibe a little bit, because, like, Buddhism and Hinduism are so closely related, but we tend to associate Hinduism more with India and Buddhism more with, like, East Asia. And then we went to the this place called the White Temple that isn't actually like a dedicated temple because it's like, and I didn't understand why before, but then when, when, when we got there, I un understood because it has like this surreal feel where it's like Disneyland, but like also mixed with like this postmodern, like trippy art where they would have like heads hanging from trees and stuff that would be like Captain America's head or like Iron Man's head or Superman's head and all these things that symbolize basically like the world we live in and how it's, you know, corrupt society. And then we went in, and there was a wall that was a mural, and it had just really weird imagery. Like, it had, like, everything from, like, Angry Birds to, like, 9-11 to, like, Superman, and just symbolism for, like, the world. And it definitely, like, the architecture was, like, rooted in Buddhism, but also had, like, more esoteric imagery with, like, there was, like, a yin-yang symbol, which is really, like, Taoism, and then there was, like, a fountain that had, a, like, the Western Zodiac symbol. So I think just because it wasn't as particularly, like, 
religious, it didn't, it's never been dedicated as a Buddhist temple, but it was certainly interesting and like really beautiful and just a trippy place. And then our, the guy that's been driving us around recommended this temple like up in the mountains and it just had like, it was a pretty normal temple. But then we saw like in the distance, we saw like a giant elephant and like you had to walk back, but there was this like massive, massive plaza with tile and then these like 30 foot statues of like Hindu gods. So there was the one that I recognized was Ganesh, which is like the elephant one and he was green. And then there was one with like a bunch of arms and faces. And it was interesting because it still was a Buddhist temple, but they had all this Hindu imagery and they had all these shops with, with like ice cream and stuff open. But there's only like one person attending like a ton of shops. And I, I was like, is there like a festival where this place gets really packed? Because it had the feeling of a place that's designed to accommodate like huge numbers of people, but didn't. And then we saw up a little bit further on the mountain, there was like a giant statue of like a monk in like full lotus. And then behind him, they were building like a massive Buddha. Like, I don't know, like... Uh, 50, 60 feet high and like still building it. And it's interesting to see like, they're still making these like huge monuments. You know, it's not just like a historical thing. And the way that it was like, seemed like it was built for so many people, but then like was more empty. It gave it this like kind of spirited away vibe. If you've seen that movie at the beginning when they're at a market and there's like no one there, like it just was weird and like trippy. But, and maybe cause I was so tired of traveling. I don't know. But all in all, it was a really fun trip, and I learned a lot about, like, northern Thailand and about the history of, like, how the drug trade has affected things. And that was great when we were, like, reading the books that we were reading and learning about, like, the period of, like, Southeast Asian colonialism when it was colonized and how much problems that caused for Thailand to understand, like, how intrinsic, like, the drug trade was for that and just getting all these different sides of, like, complete Thai history and not just focusing on like modern Thai history or like since 1932 and there's like the revolution. So all in all, very fun week, very informative, and I had a great time. All right, so that was my time in Northern Thailand. So my gear highlight this week would have to be my travel pillow. So this is a neck pillow that I bought here in Thailand because I left the neck pillow that I had bought in America back in my parents' car actually right before I got dropped off at the airport, which kind of sucked. But just goes to show you for one thing that it's not the end of the world. If you forget something at home, you'll be able to find it anywhere. And also, my neck pillow has been great on especially bus rides. I thought I was going to use it for like plane rides, but not so much because a lot of the plane rides have been pretty short. But some of these bus rides are just hours and hours and hours. Even if you're not sleeping, it gets so uncomfortable on a bus for that long. And it's great to just have that like support f for your neck even if you're just like watching a video. Sometimes I also like flip it around and put my forehead on it. And then because there's like a circle in it, I can still like see whatever I'm watching. So it's been great. I would recommend though, the one that I bought here is fuzzy. So sometimes it gets kind of hot and scratchy around my neck, especially when like I haven't shaved. The one that I had bought in the States was a, a little better ventilated and a little bit softer material. So I would definitely try and get something like that. The nice thing about the fuzzy material though is sometimes on like buses or planes also, um, sometimes the air is just cranked way up and it's freezing cold. And it is actually nice to have a little bit of that extra like warmth. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend the travel pillow. Try not to look like a goofball like I do just wearing it on random times. I got so used to wearing it that one time when I was getting pickup to go to the airport, 
at home, I had my backpack on and I had just put on my neck pillow already because I'll just wear it like in the airport, like on the bus, like wherever. And I was hopping on the back of this motorcycle and I saw two white people, two, two Farang from like a block away. And I saw them like very obviously point and then like laugh, like talking to the other person. And I was like, yeah, I don't really look like that typical like Farang just wearing the travel pillow, but don't feel bad about it. I don't know. It's also fun to like, you know, you're traveling, be honest about it. You're probably tired. And so, yeah, it's great. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I know that it took a long time for me to get this out. I haven't been publishing on Instagram a lot. I'm going to definitely try and change that. Right now, my base of operations is in Myanmar. I'm here for a UN internship, and I'm retroactively publishing podcasts. Most of the audio for this was actually recorded pretty soon after I did this stuff. I just haven't had the time to edit it and put it together. So let me know what you think. Let me know what more you'd like to hear, what kind of stuff is good, what kind of stuff is bad. Um, got a couple more episodes for you in my time in Southeast Asia, and then we're going to see what we're going to do in the fall, um, what kind of format we're going to adopt. But I'd love to keep publishing this and keep going with the gringo guava as long as I can. So thanks, guys. Stay gringo. Stay gringo.